Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. Welcome to the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. This is Charles Laux, and I'm your host. We are focusing today on teaching beginners uh, virtually, um, and we have a wonderful teacher, uh, friend, and colleague of mine that will be joining us today. And then we have a uh, welcome to uh, Renee Wang, who teaches uh, orchestra at the Space Center Intermediate in the Houston area. Welcome, Renee. Hi. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, um, you tell us a little bit about um, you and your career and you know where you've been and what you've done, just a little brief so people can get to know you a little bit. And of course, her full bio will be available in the, in the podcast description. But if you give us just a, a brief intro so we can get to know you a little bit better and, um, and then kind of maybe just go into telling us your, your teaching situation, a little bit about your school and then uh, about your district and your current teaching situation, which um, is always, you know, it's always interesting to hear everybody's different uh, scenarios. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I am a Houston native, born and raised in Clear Lake, which is southeast Houston um, community built around NASA and Johnson Space Center. And I started violin when I was pretty young. I was in elementary school and went through the school orchestra program when I was old enough and actually got to go through Clear Lake High School which is one of consistently one of the top orchestras in the state, um, super Great. competitive group and really, really amazing teachers. And um, I, when I graduated high school, went to Baylor University and studied with Dr. Michael Alexander. And after I graduated, I taught for three years in Pasadena, which is another community in the Southeast Houston area. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved my time there. Um, very much a low-income Title I school, and across the district, that was pretty consistent. Got it. And just absolutely probably the perfect first job for me, and really, I think for anybody, had amazing administration, super supportive colleagues, and wasn't actually looking to leave or make any changes, but met Dr. Gillespie at a region (laughs) weekend, and he recruited me to come to Ohio State and do my master's and be one of his teaching assistants. So I moved across the country, lived in Ohio for two years, met some amazing people who are still some of my favorite, uh, just best friends and amazing colleagues, including Charles. Oh. (laughs) And um, after I finished my master's, I moved back to Houston. It was never my intention to teach in the district where I grew up, but when your high school directors who um, basically helped parent you and raise you as well as being, you know, musical fathers, ask you to a job, you do it, even if you don't really want it. And 
I was offered the position at Space Center Intermediate, which is not the intermediate school I went to, but but the majority of my students feed into the high school that I went to, which is actually a huge privilege to get to work with my former directors. So that's That's where I am now. This is my fifth year at Space Center, and I love my community, and I love my students, and um, this year is definitely interesting. (laughs) <laughs> we there's a lot of back and forth at the end of the summer about mm-hmm. what is school going to look like because we were in the same situation as I think basically everybody else in the spring where it was just crisis mode attempting to teach online and the district had relaxed a lot of the requirements for what are we doing and grading and how because we were all literally figuring out how to reinvent a million wheels at the same That's time. Right. So It was a lot of crazy in the spring, and so towards the end of the summer, we were in discussions about what does safely teaching orchestra look like, how are things going to be different, what are the students' options, what are the families' options, you know. So the district ended up pushing back our start date by a week so that we would have two weeks of teacher professional development before the kids came back. And during that two weeks, we focused on the technology pieces, but also on social-emotional learning, which has been a big push, I know, everywhere. And our district also latched onto that, which I appreciate because the more we get into the year, the more I see how much the students need it. And Mm -hmm. we so we spent our two weeks prepping for that, and the parents had the opportunity to sign their students up for either Clear Connections, which is our completely online program, or Brick and Mortar, which is our in-person program. Right, And it was touted as Clear Connections will be just like your regular schooling. You'll have all the same um, options for electives and extracurriculars as if you were a Brick and Mortar student, which threw (laughs) our master schedulers for a loop because the choice period, the window to elect brick and mortar or clear connections, um, was open until 10 days before the students returned. Mm -hmm. So we didn't even have a good grid for how many of our students would be in which method of instruction until about two weeks before the kids came back. And that was, I mean, their window closed on a Monday at like 4 PM to sign their kids up for connections. So it wasn't until, like, Wednesday that our counselors had received all of the information for who and how many in what classes and what, you know, what levels. So that was really interesting. We were in the midst of our two weeks of PD, so especially for the electives teachers, we were at the drawing board for the first time with our master schedulers trying to problem solve how to fit up to, you know, 15 or 20 preps into seven, six periods. I teach six periods. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of crazy. We, um, we, I will say across our district, I think we did a great job of collaborating with everybody in our same content areas across the district to try and problem solve. So as far as orchestra land, 
In our district, there are four magnet campuses, two are Science Magnet and two are GT Magnet. Mm -hmm. And so those four schools, for intermediates, this is just intermediates, those four schools have the exact same bell schedule. And then the other six of us have pretty similar within a minute or two bell schedules. Mm -hmm. And so there are some, what our district calls cross-entity classes, which means that some of the students from one school might be getting instruction for that period from another teacher. And we were trying to problem solve across our 10 intermediates how to get all of the orchestra kids sorted into classes that were the best support scenario for them without having to make the online kids completely asynchronous. And it's an interesting mix. There are, I think the four magnet campuses are all sharing a few students. And then of the other six non-magnet campuses, um, I know that we're not all sharing because I know that our campus is not cross-entity orchestra sharing with anybody else because our schedule didn't work because it was going to have to move too many students from you know, some of my classes into what would have been my conference. So I'm not actually sharing with any other campuses, but I know that our band and our choir are, and I know that many of my orchestra colleagues are. So it's really interesting. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It makes it very confusing. (laughs) Yeah. So it was a big discussion of who's the teacher of record, how does grading work, parent contact, where's the, you know, where does all of this, like, who does this all fall back on? So as much as I am bummed that my students are not able to, especially, this was especially for beginners, but as much as I was disappointed that my students don't get the expertise of some of these, you know, really high level, amazing, incredible teachers, I will say that it has taken the challenge off my plate of grading students from another school or sending my students to another school to be graded. Yeah. So, wow. It's, there's definite pros and cons. (laughs) Yeah. That's a lot of confusion, but, um, it sounds like you're doing pretty well with it. Um, so, uh, so you have, if I can get this straight, then um, you have students that you see in person, face to face, like a regular old, the old way it used to be, right? But they're wearing masks and distancing. And then you have your yes. vir- totally virtual online students. So you're teaching, you're not teaching hybrid necessarily in the fact that you have them both at the same time. So for our beginners, we have only in person or only online. And then for what I call our big kids, all of our non-beginners, we have, we consolidated our three performing orchestras into two. And so those classes are both hybrid. So those have the kids who are, I call them tuning in from home and the ones who are in person. So it's definitely interesting, but part of the whole reason we couldn't do the cross entity with the other schools was because I decided it would be more worth it to consolidate my lower two orchestras, my smaller two groups into one really massive group that's hybrid and Mm -hmm. then have my top performing group also hybrid. 
and then have that left me with four periods that I could teach beginners. And mm-hmm. so we have the chin strings, the violins and violas, and the the pin strings, the cellos and basses. So we have one iteration that's entirely online for each set, and then one iteration that's in person. And I think it's been so worth it because the other option would have likely been all four instruments in a beginning class in person, and then all four beginning instruments in a beginning class online. And so to have similarly grouped instruments, even though it makes for some strange explanations. I mean, in my first job, I taught beginners, just whoever showed up, we would spend the first week choosing our instruments, the second and third week getting our instruments. So there were years (laughs) that I had, you know, four cellos and a viola, and then 17 violins. So I was like, I can handle the mixed setting, but it would be easier if they were at least like instruments. So we split them out. And I think it's been really helpful for our beginners anyways. Have your students been receptive to the combining of the the ensembles? Are they okay, okay with that, or would, you know, are they saying the music's too easy and things like that? Or are they having? Are they? They've upset mostly that you had, to do had that? a pretty good attitude. Um, good. The majority of that level is students who were beginners last year, and so mm-hmm. I've made it very clear: Hey, not only are we combined. So my my two lower groups are symphony and philharmonic. And so I've been calling them for fun because I like to mash up words a lot. So I've been calling them symphilharmonic. And they know that I just like to mess with words all the time. Anyways, so they get a kick out of the fact that they're symphilharmonic. But also, I made it really clear. I said, well, hey, this class is mostly seventh graders, which means eighth graders, you guys are the leaders. You guys know how I function in a big kid class because my beginner classes are normally single instrument or maybe grouped instruments, depending Mm -hmm. on the year. And so they're not used to not having my attention the whole time on just their instrument. And so I said, hey, eighth graders, you know how this works. You know how big kid class works. You also remember what it was like to go from beginner to big kid and what a big change that is. Now, just think, if you were a beginner last year, not only were you all Miss Wang all the time on the viola the end, but it was also that you missed a quarter of the year in instruction. Like, we did Mm -hmm. our best with online, but it was completely asynchronous. So... It was just, we did our very best, and it wasn't that great because it was crisis mode. So I told the eighth graders, hey, you guys are the leaders. You know how we function here. So I need you to demonstrate that both online, like how you act virtually and in your patience and your flexibility. And then for the in-person kids, like, you know how our classroom functions. It is different now because we are spaced apart. We're in rows. We don't touch each other. We don't get near each other. We have to wipe down all our stuff, you know, all the protocols. But you know how I work. So I need you to model that for the younger students. And then for the younger students, they don't really know any better for what does orchestra really look like when it's not a beginning class. So it's all new for them anyways. And I think the biggest thing they've had to learn in that combined class is that everybody has something that they're working on. So even if it feels like the music is too easy, because I've had one or two students who will say stuff like that, which, you know, my response is always, well, hey, did you play it perfectly every single time from the start? No? Okay, so then you still have stuff to work on also. (laughs) Right, yes. And really, there's one student who is in that 
she's really in second orchestra, but would be in top orchestra, except that our top orchestra and top band are at the same time. And she's like the star oboe player. And so I said, hey, you are equally important in both band and orchestra. However, I understand that there may only be one or two oboe players in your band, and there are 15 violin players in the orchestra. Like, make the choice that's right for you. We will figure it out. And so for her, I'll always say, well, hey, you can play this whole exercise in third position. Oh, is that too easy? You can go to fifth. Oh, was that too easy? Play it all on one string. Right, so there you go. She's she's getting her extra challenges, which she handles in stride. Her her dad's also a band director, so she understands the music world pretty well. So Yeah, that's It's great. been an interesting challenge to sort of differentiate, especially for combining the two groups, because we purposely keep our lowest group the smallest because they're usually the students who would most benefit from more individual attention. And in this case, we were going to, it was almost going to be beginner take two because they really missed out on so much of the instruction and needed so much, I guess, remediation or rebuilding of foundational skills. Right. But I think it sort of worked out because it's never bad to review those fundamentals with anybody. Even the eighth graders still need that. Yes, your left wrist really needs to be aligned. Yes, you really do need to sit tall. No, you can't play this with an ugly bow hold. You know, So right. I don't think it's really been detrimental to anybody to have combined, even though there are probably students who could be much more challenged. Sure. So I think it's well, mostly okay. You're always going to have that a little bit. And um, I think majority of the students are very understanding right now and and are are, under, are are being flexible yes and sometimes they have to be reminded of that our first day so we did a phased roll-in of who was attending school when so our first mm-hmm. week was entirely virtual for everybody except we only went a day and a half and then hurricanes laura and marco were headed towards oh us gosh. so we lost yeah. three and a half days of instruction and fortunately, this time around, we were spared. Um, so yeah. we really spent that time prepping and then helping with community cleanup in, in communities east of here. But that meant that our first week that was virtual only was really only a day and a half. Wow. And then the next week, the sixth graders who had selected brick and mortar came back. But the seventh and eighth graders, no matter their selection, were still virtual. Okay. And they had two weeks of that, which was great because our district did all of the transition grades. So pre-K, kinder, six, and nine went brick and mortar, or who had selected brick and mortar went back. And they had two weeks on their own to learn the campus, learn the protocols, which I think was very beneficial for our sixth graders to not have any outside influences of how we behave in the hallway. And yes, we really are going to stay masked. And yes, this is how lunch works and dismissal and all of that. So I know that's something our district is actually looking at for future years, maybe not two entire weeks of that, but a day Mm -hmm. even of transition would be great. Um, So then two weeks later, the seventh and eighth graders who were brick and mortar also came back. So it was the fifth week of school before it was officially everybody was where they were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And our district said, parents, you can select. This is for the first nine weeks. And at the end of the first nine weeks, you can change between the two modes of instruction. Okay. But of course, there were some parents who figured out how to get their students switched before the nine weeks. So I had a couple students who 
showed up and I was like, oh, that's why you weren't in our team's meeting because you are here on campus now. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I also understand that some of that was because if you're an online student with unreliable technology that you didn't realize was going to be so unreliable, it makes more sense to switch sooner than later. So yeah. that was interesting. Um, so really we were in week five and that was when things were finally, this is how it's probably actually supposed to be. And we also then had some school cancellation for tropical storm beta. So really, <laughs> I think this sixth week of school was our first or second full week where wow. we went all five days <laughs> and we just finished this past week was our seventh week, but it was the end of our nine week grading period. Cause math is hard. So <laughs> today we don't have school, but tomorrow we go back and it's the beginning of our second quarter and I will have four more students in the classroom spread across okay. a couple periods. So I think, I mean, I personally thought going into this that it was going to be the first grading period and then a lot of parents were going to switch their students from brick and mortar to online to clear connections. Okay. But yeah. it looks like more than anything, it's going the other direction. We have well, parents nice. who have realized that, oh, either our technology is not good enough or, oh, I guess they really met the protocols and we don't seem to be seeing super spreader events of people getting sure. sick. So I'm excited because three of the four who are coming back are beginners. So I know that, you know... It sounds funny to say, because I know the quality of instruction they're going to receive is going to be better, even though it's me providing the instruction either way. Because yeah. with the beginners, it's just really challenging to show them because I can't reach through my laptop. And I've told them that, <laughs> hey, for you guys who are clear connections, you have the advantage of you can see yourself and you can see me. So right. make the two pictures look alike. But especially as sixth graders, their brain development's not quite there yet for some of them where they're self-monitoring that well. And sure, so no, that's, I told know. them, I was like, I sure wish I could just reach through and I'll always like point and poke at the camera so they can see my hand getting real big at them. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I just wish I could reach through and just fix that for you, but I can't. So you're going to have to do that. So yeah. it's definitely yeah. been interesting, but I'm excited that some of them will be back in the classroom. And as far as I know, I'm not losing any from the classroom who are going to online, Good. which surprised me, but it's okay. I'm happy with it. Yeah, I'm I'm in the opposite situation where more students are converting from face-to-face -to, -face to back online. Oh, man. So it's, yeah, I have about 16% or less now of my students doing that. So Oh, gosh. It, it, yeah, so it's hard when you have one or two kids in a class, or I think my biggest class would be nine. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So it's definitely challenging. Oh, wow. So what, what are some of the uh, the things that you've done or some strategies that, that you found to be most useful or, you know, uh, I guess just more, most useful when you're teaching the virtual students? Because obviously, you know, we can, we can, I mean, we're having, even now we're having trouble with the face-to-face -face students because we can't, we can't 
you know, grab onto them and just fix them the way we used to. At least a lot of teachers are afraid to do that. Yeah. So, so um, what are some things that have worked for you with the virtual besides the, your big pointer finger into the camera? <laughs> <laughs> so I used to when so when everything was just you know face to face i always sort of felt myself struggling with the setup stuff at the beginning of the year because i'm very very particular about setup and i was always struggling like the bigger our beginner classes grew i mean last year we had a beginner violin class that topped out at 40 which is a whole lot of little babies who don't know how to unpack their instruments yet and not quite enough space in our classroom for them to be spread out so that they don't bump into each other and stuff. So I always felt sort of the struggle of, well, if I'm at the front of the room, they can't all see. But if I wander around the room when it's something that doesn't take as long as it takes me, it doesn't take as long to demonstrate as it takes me to walk all the way around then by the time I show the kids in the back row, the kids in the front row are already slouching again or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I had started using, we have a hover cam document camera, which I adore. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, We used to have the Lumens Ladybugs that I think a lot of schools have, the little red and black ones. Okay. And a couple years ago, we had a bond election that passed and that included renovation and some updated technology and some new instruments for the fine arts, as well as other building renovations and athletics and stuff. So Mm -hmm. we were really fortunate that in the fine arts, we got hover cams when they took away our lumens. And it's just a much nicer document camera. And so I'd been using that some in the past to show, okay, but like this is what my thumb looks like on the backside of my bow. So you mm-hmm. can actually see it super big on the screen. So now you don't have any excuse for, you know, right. yours looks funny because mine is gigantic on the screen so you can see it. And so I'd been using that a little bit and I found that that has translated really well into the beginner class because I now make jokes about like, this is why Miss Wang would be a very terrible YouTuber because I can't get the camera to focus. And I've even started <laughs> doing that thing where... I, the girls tell me the, about the makeup tutorials. I'm not a super girly girl, so it's not something I've watched very much. Mm-hmm. But when YouTubers will show a product on, a, on on their camera, they'll usually like put their hand behind it so the camera will pick up that and focus. Right. And so I've started doing that with bow hold stuff, and I, I make jokes about how this is a YouTube channel nobody would you know subscribe or like, but <laughs> you're stuck watching it. So... Being able to use the document camera as a webcam, especially before we had our district supplied web- webcams, because we have those now that are on tripods, but okay. it's a little bit easier. I know I sent you a picture of my setup, but I've yeah. got my hover cam, my laptop, and a power strip, and then a USB hub all on a cart next to my podium. Mm-hmm. And so having all of that technology there... I've, it's been basically a day-by-day process of figuring out where to place everything. And now yeah. that I've added the wire cable for Ethernet, which is a lifesaver, it's just <laughs> more cables. So just trying to figure out the cable management and the t- technology placement. But I've figured out that now my best setup is putting my laptop directly under my hover cam so that the arm is reaching over my laptop so I can see right under it. It's basically Mm -hmm. using it like a webcam, so I can actually see what I'm sending. And that way I can check the angle of what I'm demonstrating for them. It's given me, I think, a little more control over, no, this is what this detailed part looks like. I don't have to draw my terrible approximation of the nose of the frog and the the corner of the thumb that touches on the board 
with mm-hmm. a marker. Like I can literally just show you this. And then um, a lot of, okay, now on your camera, show me this. And it's been interesting over the course of the first quarter to see fewer and fewer cameras come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, we're also assigning more and more assignments. So I'm like, okay, well, even if you're not going to show me on the camera, I'm still going to see it when you do your Padlet or your Flipgrid. There so, you go. you know, do it right, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and I've made it very clear to the beginners. I think it probably bears repeating, especially starting again this week, now that we're in our new grading period. Hey, your parents, whether or not you like it, selected clear connections for you. Yeah. And orchestra is about playing an instrument well and eventually playing it with other people. Right now, you may not feel the other people part, but you can still do the playing it well. And I can't help you if I can't see you. We all know that we can't hear each other. We've <laughs> we've yeah. done a few experiments over the course of various Teams updates, but I always know the result is still the lag issue with the internet, not Teams itself necessarily. So right. every couple of weeks, just to get the kids to laugh, I say, okay, everybody unmute. This is what it sounds like if we're going to try and play together. And I'll count in. <laughs> And I did that with my top orchestra the other day. We were playing some easy quartet music where it was just, you know, four parts, kind of like the Christmas Kaleidoscope books, but it's those compat- compatible quartets, I think. Right. Those are nice. Yeah. And so I said, okay, let's try this. And one of my better students who has literally never complained about everything or anything in the three years that I've had her said, can we please never, ever, 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 ever do that again, please? (laughs) And I was like, yep. And, you know, I recorded it on Teams, so it uploaded to the stream so the kids could see it. Right. And so I posted it in their learning management system, and I we did it two ways because I was like, I know what the results are going to be, but I want you to remember, and it's a good reminder for me, the first time we just did the microphone in the room so the brick-and-mortar kids were heard. And then the second time we did it with everybody on teams also unmuted and it was just a good reminder for why we don't unmute but also why it's important that you're self-checking because I can't hear you there's no way yeah. during class that I know that you are consistently playing it all correctly right or, or even if you're playing the right pitches which we discovered on our first playing test for the big kids so with yep. the beginners I do a lot of, hey, show me on the camera, or like our first assignment of the year was teach somebody else your bow llama and take a picture. And it was definitely interesting to see because by that point, we had only learned the bow llama. We hadn't necessarily gone over every specific checkpoint. Like if this were a test and graded, what are you looking for? So it gave us a really good grid of who is paying attention to what matters or who is able to parse out on their own what matters because some of the bow llamas were very half formed and some of them were amazing bow holds on a pencil and I was very impressed and so it gave us a good grid for like okay so some of these students in this period are very attentive to details and then there's this crew in that period who's like they only picked up the fact that it's supposed to look like a llama. (laughs) So (laughs) it's been really helpful to have them attempt to replicate some parts of class on their own at home. And it's definitely been interesting because even now we have just finished our first quarter. We still have, I believe, four beginners who don't yet have instruments, which the sassy part of me says, if you don't have an instrument by now, you haven't done something about it. Because yeah. if it's an 
affordability issue, we have lower cost instruments available where it's literally just a form that your parents have to do. Like you don't have to pay for it right away. Yeah. So the fact that you still don't have anything just tells me that you haven't followed any of the steps. Right. And you know that I've offered this so many times to your parents. And so anyways, so it's been an interesting thing because I don't want to beat down the beginners. Like they don't know me very well yet. I can be a super intense person. I get excited about stuff and I get worked up about stuff. And so they're still learning what's important to me and what matters, but I don't want to scare them away. And so they get more of the fun, cutesy Miss Wang than the big kids necessarily get. Yeah. So it's been an attempt to not frighten the beginners with, you know, a million assignments at the start of the year. But I think they've realized that their workload is now ramping up. They're having more assessments and I'm being pickier about them. Right. So we'll see going into the second quarter if I maintain all of the fun, cutesy YouTube things for those online kids. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot, you know, and I've I've realized that I'm not sure that w- what I've been doing is sustainable. Yeah. So um, I am going to be kind of, you know, switching gears a little bit and downshifting just a little bit to not necessarily make it less challenging for my students, but um, make it more, give them a little bit more choice. But that's high school. I can do that, I think, a little bit more than middle school. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as their assignments go. Yes. But it definitely, you know, we also have to, have to remember that what we're doing, we have to be able to sustain, and we don't know if it's going to be till December or until May. You right. Know? <laughs> yep. So I was telling a friend yesterday, once school started, I kind of stopped paying attention to the numbers. I mean, I'm in Texas. I know our our friend, me and you, our friend Matt, joked that, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure in Texas you guys just, like, drink coronavirus for breakfast because that's when our numbers were spiking and (laughs) things were not looking great when school started up. But by that point, I realized, well, it kind of doesn't matter. I don't have a choice. I am going to work. I am staying masked. I am being very cautious in the room. We have all these cleaning protocols and, and, like, the kids doing hand sanitizer and all of that. So once school started rolling, I honestly kind of stopped paying attention to what the numbers around here look like because it doesn't change. I mean, for my personal life, I am still not going places. And then for my professional life, I still have to go to work. So I honestly have no idea right now what our outlook is if we're going to be I don't imagine that our online component is going to disappear in the spring semester, no matter what. Right. But I don't know if they'll con- they'll have to continue offering it, you know, later if we're still in the midst of massive outbreaks or what. So yeah, we definitely just, you know- feel you on that sustainability piece because it's so much more to try and plan for the multiple modes of instruction because we have the just online, just in person, and then the mix. Yeah. And trying to find what works for what kids and how, what's the level of grace and understanding that we provide when kids have tech issues? Because, I mean, in our district, we were one-to-one for all the secondary students. So they all had a district-provided laptop. However... That didn't mean that everything worked correctly. They could get tech help, but that meant, you know, especially for those online-only kids, that meant that their parents might need to drive them to the district admin building. Wow. or And yeah. their parents are at work. And 
they have, I mean, our district has this awesome tech support line that mm-hmm. I know that even other high-level administrators who it is not their job or expertise have been answering that phone line because there was such high demand at the beginning of the year. So I know, like, we even had, like, curriculum specialists who were answering the tech support line and had, you oh. know, the if this, if this, then that. Mm-hmm. But between the various tech issues and with the online-only kids having the option to request a school device, even if they were in elementary level, our district is, they ordered a bunch more devices. But they mm-hmm. weren't going to be here, I think, till the end of September or October. So I know our students who are on a personal device. So it may be their home desktop computer that doesn't have a webcam. Or it might be that they're joining on an iPad and don't have all of the functional- functionality. Right. So it's different. It's been really challenging to find the balance of, okay, where do we offer grace? Because, yeah, we have to be able to hear and see you. And Mm -hmm. yes, I understand that you don't have a device that is internet connected with audio and video, but if that's the case, then, you know, like, what can we do to support you? Because if this is the mode of instruction you parents have selected, then yes, you parents need to do something about it because, you know, we got to be able to see and hear your kids, especially for our hands-on electives, you know, art, theater, band, choir orchestra like (laughs) there's only so much we can do if we can't hear or see your kid and how are we going to assess them so it's been an interesting line to walk fortunately i think a lot of the parents have been understanding and also realized that you know if this is the option i've signed my kid up for i have to make it sustainable for them also that's good Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's really good. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I'm just waiting to see you know what continues to happen and how if 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 everything progresses the way that we're hoping that we can you know get back to normal. But I, I like you said earlier, I don't think it's going to be um, this school year that it'll be yeah. you know as it was. So it's going to take a while. And um, but uh, this is great, uh, great info, and it's just neat to hear different perspectives and different uh, information. And you're the first middle school teacher I've had on in a while that, um, you know, is dealing with beginners. And uh, it's probably one of the hardest things because when you have kids that can already play, it's easy just to tell them to do this or that. And they, they kind of know, but when they're coming fresh out of the gate with no knowledge and no understanding of what any of this is, uh, it's got to be really challenging. For sure. And we've definitely, we've had a fun time, I think, figuring out workarounds because, I normally do all the little kitschy gimmicky, you know, let's do bow tubes and let's do this and let's Mm -hmm. do that. So my really beautiful set class set of all the PVC pipes, which are sitting (laughs) in storage right now because we can't do class sets of stuff. But in this case, I was like, oh, 
I remember, like, my first school before I had PVC, we just did toilet paper tubes. And we can't rubber band them to the instruments like we normally do. But we can do mm-hmm. bow tubes on our shoulder. And it just sort of hit me like, well, hey, if they have a toilet paper tube, then they can decorate it. Because it's theirs. And they have it with them, which is nice. Because I never let the kids take the PVC pipes home with them. So they're no. like, well, how do I bow tube at home? And so it's been yeah. an interesting finding the workarounds. But also sort of discovering, like... Sometimes it doesn't have to be the fancy class set of things that I provide. Like, we can make it work. And I think some of the necessity has helped us as a field find, you know, workarounds, but also new stuff. Like, we had a class set of snark tuners that we were using to tune, Mm -hmm. and we can't do that. So now we use Tuner Ninja. And using Tuner Ninja is great because it's on their device, so they don't have to touch anything. It's something that they can also use at home. It's still free. You know, so it's been great to find the workarounds. And I think some of it is also invented out of necessity. So it's definitely pushing us forward in some new directions. (laughs) (laughs) Keeping us creative. That's what, you know, that's what we're known for. So, yep, absolutely. Well, this has been awesome. Um, Anything else you'd like to share, Um, you know, um, tips or tricks or, um, you know, pitfalls. I mean, uh, we, we've talked a little bit about, you know, your mental health and all, uh, all this stuff that goes on. It's, it's, it's definitely a challenge keeping up with it. And, um, um, I was doing a, a, a session for te- teachers down in Pasadena this morning and we were talking <laughs> about one of the teachers commented saying, this just isn't fun anymore. Oh no. You know? Yeah. And it's sad, you know, and it's not as fun. It's yeah. definitely not as fun. And we're, we're, we're stressed out, but we have to keep, Keep fighting that fight and, um, you know, preparing our students for when we do come back. And uh, like I had mentioned in my session um, today with them, it was just hopefully this will increase our um, appreciation for what we do, what we have. And and when we do get together, it just we're all going to be just so much happier (laughs) and be able to, to make music that way again. Yeah, I think one of my biggest takeaways from all of this online teaching, but also I think just honestly the pandemic and quarantine and shutdowns in general is everything has slowed down a little bit and it's been a good thing. Like I, in class, I get excited and worked up and I am a really fast talker. And then I realized going back and watching some of the stream videos, (laughs) because we don't record everything because our district warned us that there was not enough room on the cloud in stream for us to record everything and leave it there. So they said, you know, after this video isn't needed anymore, you can delete it. Or if you don't feel the need to record, we're not requiring it, which is fine because I tell the kids, especially because we do so much review built into those repetitions. I said, Hey, if you're gone, we'll tell you what you missed, but over the course of class, you'll get caught up. It'll be okay. Or, you know, I also, in my in-person beginner classes have, an eighth grade teacher aide who is really good at their instrument. So I can send oh, nice. them in a practice room with a kid. So it kind of works out that I don't have all these videos of all of these classes, but going back and watching some of the ones where I've recorded, like where I, we did our parts of the instrument test and I just pointed at the part and I said, this is number one. And I realized my normal pacing of how I talk, how I you know move around the room, all of that has to be slower mm-hmm. out of necessity because who knows when whose internet has lagged or blipped. So if I only point to one thing once and say, this is number one. Now this is number two. Like they could have missed number one. So this is number one. Here's number one. 
Number one is right here, and I'm, you know, pulling the Vanna White, rotating the thing around. (laughs) But it's also really forced me, when I'm teaching, to remember that the students, when it's all brand new, need that much repetition, and they need all the different angles. And so it's really slowed me down. And even in our curriculum, like, a colleague and I were tapped to sort of revamp our curriculum this summer, and... When we were revamping it, the bigger context was it needs to be cleaned up and then areas made more specific. But also, we are headed into a year where we know it's going to be weird. Mm -hmm. How can we set the curriculum up to help support teachers to be more successful in a year that things are going to look really strange? And so she and I talked and she was really good about like pulling me back because I was like, well, my beginners are normally doing this by October and doing that. And she said, but (laughs) you have to remember... Not only are we now also doing things virtually, but we're also giving up our in-person class time for cleaning protocols. So mm-hmm. we've extended our school day by 10 minutes, but that 10 minutes goes towards cleaning. It's not sure. more instructional right. time because, you know, we have to keep the kids safe. And so it's yeah. really helped to slow down, like, how I pace in the big and small pictures. And I think Mm -hmm. that's honestly been beneficial for the kids because I've been working on finding ways to keep it energetic, but maybe not racing through things quite as quickly. So that plus, you know, just being stuck at home for so many months kind of helped me really prioritize what's important for me personally, what's important for me pedagogically, what's most important that if I only hit two or three big things today, what are the most important things to hit? So it's really slowed me down in some ways. And I think that's That's what's made it more sustainable for me. We'll see if, you know, if I keep at the current energy level I keep at, but, (laughs) you know, finding the most, the most important things to hit has really sort of slowed down a lot of what I'm trying to accomplish in any given day. And it's been, Mm -hmm. I think for the better. Yeah, I mean, it, I, it's definitely made me more reflective on my teaching and my pedagogy, and you know how I'm how I'm approaching pretty much everything in, in my classroom. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. that's great. That's great. Um, well, th- I really appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast today, and uh, it's great to hear um, all that you're doing. And um, everybody picked up some maybe some ideas and. Again, it's it's uh, we have to work together because we're all in this all in the same boat, uh, in different boats, but in the same um, in the same storm. Yeah, same storm. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, lots of different mindsets, lots of different um, you know ups and downs with our emotions and what what happens. You know, like uh, it's just it's been it's been really nice to listen to uh, people share and. Um, makes you realize that it's not just it's not just you and your school it's it's happening everywhere in different ways yes you know so but again thank you so much for coming on and uh, uh we will continue um with more episodes as we as we go um looking to try to diversify as much as possible uh and uh, talk to some people from all over uh the country and in different different walks of life and different school types and uh levels and everything else But um, thanks again for tuning in to the Orchestra Teacher Podcast, and we will catch you next time. 